Journal of SNMA is now accepting submissions for their upcoming fall edition. The theme of this edition is Healing Hearts, Healing the History of Exploitation Through Accountability, Respect, and Trust. So you know what? Submit all articles, poems, and other creative writing pertaining to the topic of exploitation throughout the history of medicine, both intra and internationally. Be sure to include a picture of yourself as well as a short biography. All questions, concerns, and submissions should be emailed to jsnma at snma.org. And you know what? If you've got a passion for writing about important issues and current events, this is your time to pull up and shine. Feel me? So for more SNMA opportunities, become a member and subscribe to the weekly opportunities newsletter. Now... Let's get to it. It's time for the show. Oh, 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 oh. What's up, everybody? Welcome to SNMA Presents The Lounge. Whether you're in the student lounge, doctor's lounge, or lounging around at home, get ready to join SNMA for meaningful conversations on topics affecting minorities in medicine and groups that often sit at the margins of healthcare. So let's get it going. We're happy to be here today in the month of June. This is student Dr. Erica Dingle and I, or we rather, are going to do an exercise and it's called Rose, Thorn, and Bud. So a rose, you guys can participate with us too. So a rose is the good thing about the month. Your thorn is the bad thing about the month. And then the bud is something that you're looking forward to in the next month or just in the future. I'm probably just going to do in the future. So my rose is that I've been spending lots of time, although I'm at home doing Zoom University with my mom, which has been amazing. My dad is down south. So we got a little bit of a break. Love you, dad. But really happy (laughs) that I have mom to myself. My thorn is being in school during the first summer after COVID. I was looking forward to having a lukewarm girl summer, but I am in the house on the couch studying neuro and that is my thorn. And my bud, I will be returning to paradise to finish my basic sciences program in the fall. So I'm looking forward to being back on the beach when I get opportunities to do so. Love it. What's going on, everyone? I'm student Dr. Isabella. And my rose of the month. Okay, so a great thing about this month has been, of course, uh, completing my first year of med school. You know, it was a long, rough, rough year, Um, especially the first half almost took me out, you know, starting uh, starting the first, you know, year of medical school during a pandemic was not something I don't think anyone has ever prepared for. And so that was definitely a huge transition. But, you know, as we started getting vaccinated, as, you know, we started keeping up with the masking, you know, things started lightening up and there was, I saw a little light at the end of the tunnel. So that's been great that I finished out this year. I would have to say, even though it was, it was difficult for me to think of a thorn for this month, because I've enjoyed this month so far, I would also say that it was probably 
still having to take my final, um, my GI final during June when, you know, I was ready to just be done. And like, I was over <laughs> everything. I was already like school to me was just so far behind me. So I really started crawling those last couple, those I last couple, you. you know, weeks. And so that was probably my thorn. Uh, but my butt, that's something I'm looking forward to. I'm deaf. So I'm, you know, I'm doing this community health internship in Los Angeles for the summer. It's been great so far. What's that? Hey. <laughs> it's been good to, you know, just get some sunshine, be in a different environment, just, you know, getting to meet new people. And so I'm looking forward to completing the internship, you know, getting to publish this research project and present my poster. So, yeah, I'm I'm just looking forward to the blessings of the summer before we got to start up M2 year. I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that it's not going to look as crazy as M1 year did, but you know, to each, to each year. <laughs> you got this. <laughs> yeah. You, you already know this is that guy, the guy, the legend, the one and only student, Dr. Aldwin. And I got to say in terms of my roles, like I recently purchased a home. So I'm very happy. I'm hey, actually home now. Love it. I know. Right. So excuse the echo wind. That's right. it. We we doing a housewarming. Y'all pulling up, right? I'm getting y'all flights. Y'all pulling up. Yo, know, there you heard. Pulled out. Getting y'all flights. Pulled up. Yep, and Skinda too. You know what I mean? So I got you. <laughs> but like, yeah, that's been my greatest accomplishment uh, for the month. You know, I'm really into real estate, financial independence, be becoming a physician entrepreneur, and this is one way to segue into that. Being able to build capital and reinvest in my community, I think is a great way for me to mentor. I'll be rent- renting out to medical students and other professional students as well. And I think oftentimes having ownership is key. Uh, we we don't do that oftentimes in the black community. So when you own, you have the opportunity to build change. And then when you can build change, then you have the opportunity to do more. You know what I mean? So it's just opening right, doors for the future. Um, now, in regards to my thorn, uh, I would say, you know, I'm in my fourth year getting ready for residency and trying to like really get organized, like get all these people, you know, my personal statement, getting my essays done. Like I- I'm calling one of my neurology preceptors like every other week, like, bro, what's up, man? Like, not literally, I don't say bro to him, but um, like, I'm like, mm-hmm. yo, I need this letter, son. Like, you know what I mean? Because I got to get through these residencies. <laughs> right. so it's been a little bit stressful. And on top of that, my school is not necessarily hands on and they've been like laissez faire. As they say in French, right. um, you know, hands off. With it. Um, so right. I'm trying to just navigate this circle, you know, what I mean, navigate being independent and not really like necessarily feeling supported by my school. But luckily, you know, I got a good structure of people that's around me that putting me on game early on. Um, and then my thorn, I mean, not my thorn, my bud, something I'm looking forward to. Um, so I'm going to be on the West Side, you know what I'm saying? Izzy, I know you're not going to be there, but I'm looking forward to going to Cali and doing my away rotation at UCLA in neurology. And then I'll be doing away rotation so in trauma psychiatry at Stanford. So I'm going to be in Cali for two months. Yes. And I'm going to be there with Skindy's going to be there, our executive producer. Shout out to her. And then Ade to external affairs uh, chair, one of the co-chairs for external affairs. So we're going to be out there, lit, 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 lit gang. So I'm really excited to just be in a new <laughs> environment, learn something new, work hard, Love play that. hard. Get some letters, you feel me? So we out here, you feel me? So let me point this back, back, back to Izzy on the West West Coast. Lay it down. Okay, heard you. All right, y'all. So you know what time it is. (laughs) It's time to run the list. So for our preclinical students, running the patient list on the wards allows the team to address pressing matters of the day. In this segment of the show, we'll be discussing some recent events in medicine affecting our communities and the populations we serve. All right, y'all, you guys ready to get into it? Absolutely. Here we out here. 
heard you. All right. So let's start off with what we did this last weekend, which was Juneteenth, right? Mm-hmm. So Juneteenth is a holiday that we know that commemorates um, when slavery, well, technically, it was a year after um, slavery had been legally, you know, canceled for America. But of course, Texas was on their own time and they hadn't told the slaves um, in Texas uh, that this law had been passed, the Emancipation Proclamation. And so they learned about it a year after. And so that basically marked the time that everyone now in America was aware of slavery, you know, ending. And then this is the holiday that we celebrate to commemorate, you know, African-Americans all across and, you know, giving giving them their flowers and everything that the ancestors our ancestors have been through the people who are currently residing in America and how we're navigating this space through post, you know, slavery through mm. uh, Jim Crow and through uh, syst- systemic racism and all of that. And just kind of commemorating, commemorating all of that. And so yeah. Biden decided to make that a federal holiday uh, and that, you know, raised a few concerns. People were kind of, <laughs> trying to figure out uh, what does this mean? Like, where do we move from here? Is this something that's going to actually create fruitful change? Is this performative? What do you guys think? I mean, about the whole Juneteenth becoming a federal holiday. I just wish that they, uh, there's so much that so much else that needs to be done. Right. As opposed to just letting this, I mean, thank you for the holiday. Everybody loves a day <laughs> off. I don't even know if people got the day off for real, for real, but right. like, okay, I saw a post like where an organization, not a, not like a black company, but this organization had like a spirit week. What are y'all doing? Like, okay. So on day one, we're wearing t-shirts day two, you're bringing in your food of choice. That's kind of like soulful. It's just to your point performative where was all of this energy years ago and i know i might sound like a pessimist or whatever but i don't care there's so much there's just so much that happens on a day-to-day we still out here dying we still out here getting shot at and it's just no i'm not i'm not really impressed uncle joe love you still i think you're still invited to the the cookout but i'm really just <laughs> impressed to be i know always said that you know he was been out of the cookout after the student loan issue but we don't know <laughs> my man is not even in the same state he's not he's not available to come in the same state bro we but, passing him plates through the gates <laughs> <laughs> no nah, but honestly like think about it it's, it's taken 166 years to commemorate all the slaves that built right. the foundation of this country right and it's a travesty that you know, it's just just a holiday. Like we need more to it than just that. We need reparations. We need support. We need mental health resources. We need our children that's in the in the hood, on the block, in the urban communities, and rural communities, and black communities that don't necessarily, you know, they 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 don't have any opportunity to, you know, upgrow and upstill great things for themselves because of what has transcended when we, when we talk about enslavement and the history. And oftentimes I feel like we, we just like let things, we accept things for what they are. Like we got to really push, push the policy. I always tell people this, like we got to be in his ear. Like you got to do more than that than just celebrate. I think it's again, just performative just cause now nah, they want to this year for one reason or another, that that's what they trying to do. Right. Like we have maternal health is an issue in our black community. They had a maternal health week and well, not black maternal health week. Well, what are y'all doing? Where's the bread? Put the bread in the community, put the bread in the hospitals, put the bread in, in these OBGYN so they could learn more and do more for our communities. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So 
it's it's full coming full circle. We we have to put the onus is really on us to see the change that we want, and we can't rely on somebody saying that this is Juneteenth. Our Juneteenth lies in within ourselves and what we want to accomplish and what we want to do in terms of progressing our black neighborhoods and our black health and our black wealth and the black renaissance and the black progression. You feel me? Yeah, I also think you know, given given just the history of the holiday or of the day, how. Or what are your thoughts on, I'll say, how how do we center the descendants of the enslaved in the U.S. in a specific Juneteenth celebration? And you brought it up all when you said reparations. I mean, that's one idea. But like there are descendants, like legit descendants of slaves that I mean, because we're not that far removed. So I would even I would even go as far as to say, like, let a Juneteenth holiday or whatever comes of it, um, let it be centered around those people. I'll say another thing. We, go ahead. No, I said another thing we can do is provide free college education for the descendants of the enslaved. Have them mm-hmm. have the opportunity. Like I said, we already know there's a wealth gap between white and black people. We know the median gap. You know, what I'm saying the median amount of wealth white people have and black people have, and that's due to part of the racialization and the institution that was created by slavery. So to dismantle that starts, that starts by allowing us to learn the trades and tools that we need to own, right? Have our own businesses to be, you know, successful entrepreneurs and electricians and lawyers and doctors and all of these tremendous fields where oftentimes there's not enough support and encouragement for us to go into that. We'd rather be a rapper than be a doctor. We'd rather be a basketball player than be an entrepreneur, open up a business and hire 16, 17 year olds so that they can open up their own business. Other people do that. You know what I'm saying? The Indians do that. Jewish people do that. So why not us? You know what I'm saying? We got to take the responsibility. It's our obligation to do so. Right. And I also want to, you know, of course, <laughs> let me not let me not get it confused. Uh, I was turning up on Juneteenth. I, I'm not going to hold you. The federal thing didn't mean nothing to me. Like, regardless, <laughs> I was going to get my my barbecue. I was going to make sure I was lit. Like that was still happening regardless. So I for Juneteenth, yeah. you know, I went to uh, Lamert Park and it was very beautiful just to like be in this space where there's different like vendors and just like festival and celebration going on and just seeing just black people together, like in one space, just like, you know, I guess just like admiring and going back to our roots and like how far we've come just as a people. And I just thought that was such a great experience. So I was, you know, I still had a great time and I don't think it had anything to do about the fact that Biden made this thing a national holiday. I just think it's the fact that all like this has been a, an actual holiday within at least the black community for years and years, years. and years, right? So it's so. like, it's not new to us. And so right. regardless of whatever these people up there want to say about it or what they change about it, it's always going to be a day of celebration. So what did you guys do though, you know, during that weekend? I saw some world. I will not reveal the destination that I went to. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I got some sun and... I saw some world and it was, it was a very, very amazing experience. I had, I had a good time and, and I had a little bit to drink. I I think I could say that on here. So yeah, Yeah, I went to a bar crawl in Atlanta. There's this, uh, they they call it a bar. It's like a black bar crawl. So they go all throughout the country right now. They're doing one in DC this upcoming weekend, 
But, you know, I'm always about supporting black businesses. So it was a great opportunity. I met interns in Atlanta, which is really dope and connected with them. And we just had a good time, you know, just building network and cherishing a special day where, you know, we obviously are enslaved people were emancipated finally. And so we got to emancipate ourselves from the challenges and opportunities that, that they continue to not give us. You know what I'm saying? I so love that. I love it. And you know, what's crazy. Like with all of our own celebrations, right. You know, we mm-hmm. were coming up on the year, uh, the, I guess I won't say anniversary. I don't like using anniversary, but the commemoration, mm-hmm. if you will, of right. our brother, George Floyd's death. And there was a statue revealed in Brooklyn on June 19th. There was a hand carved six foot statue that was unveiled and less than a <laughs> Less than a week later, y'all, on the 21st of June, after the reveal, the statue was vandalized. Uh, Floyd's face and the inscription on the pedestal was covered with black paint and the Patriot Front website address was stenciled on the statue. Like, here we are. Surprise. (laughs) Right. Like, did we not? Am I tripping or did we not have a whole conversation about someone who did something similar who a honey, medical student honey that, like, a year ago yes right there was there was already an incident very University much minnesota yes yep. the same thing guy. so how can i even sit here and pretend to be surprised i would be lying to both you and myself it makes no like it's like i don't even know what can be said at this point because here we are literally on the day that we're supposed to be celebrating our blackness they want to you know or at least during the time period that we're supposed to be celebrating our blackness, you want to be problematic, of course. Like mm. it just it just goes to show that with any any type of celebration, there's definitely going to always be someone who's trying to rain on that celebration, trying to rain on that parade. And yeah, and I think that that just also is a reminder that we have such a long way to come uh, or a long way to go um, in this in this country when it comes to really r- eradicating. Uh, systemic racism and people who want to sit here and pretend that these things aren't issues when they are still issues. Yeah. I mean, like the perpetrators, you know, they did it at 4 a.m. They, they, they soft, they cowards, you know, in my eyes. And the crazy thing about it is they represent a white supremacy group called the Patriot Front.us. And I actually went to their website and looked at their manifesto and you could tell, you know, there's, there's videos of them fighting, training, know taking on taking down black lives matter signs and they all behind masks like again like if you really feel that energy then show your face so we know who you are you know what i mean and i'm sure the ceos doctors lawyers all prominent people that are part of this and involved and it's crazy in their manifesto they say our pre-columbian forefathers left their europe european home they found a savage continent so you when you read things like this you see already where their mindset is like you know what I mean, right. and honestly, I'm I'm glad New York City, the NYPD is doing an investigation and they already got the four per, per, uh, uh, perpetrators and shout out to Pat Poos for arranging this, because honestly, like he was he was one of the main people that was on this. And he actually did a song called Tribute, where he uh, he went from A to Z of all the black lives that were unfortunately lost to police brutality and white supremacy. And in the, in the verse where he talked about George Floyd, he said, George Floyd, three officers kneeled on him. He told them he couldn't breathe. They didn't care for him. The country rioting everywhere for him. 
F those cops. I have no fear for him. And honestly, when I when I when I when I seen that, I'm like, yo, that's mm-hmm. a fact. That's exactly how I feel. And that's exactly how I still feel. Like when you see all the emotions that have been tied up, you know, it's been over a year now. And then you see what goes on with this statue. It's like it's just a travesty. And it's so disheartening that America can't still open its eyes and racism is still true and it's still holding on. And I think I'm happy that the, the statue is there, but I also think that it belies the fact that we got a long way to go still, and we got to continue to be engaged in this arena. We got to continue to celebrate our heroes. We got to continue to celebrate, you know, Oludai Equino, who was the first, one of the first people from Igbo land, you know what I'm saying, that yes, fought for his yes. freedom. Okay, Ibo, you know, Toussaint Louverture, who was one of the all first right. people to, to, to free Haiti, you know what I'm saying? Madam C.J. Walker, like, we need statues of all these people, not just George Floyd. I know he's a hero in a way, but we actually got, a, like, big-time heroes that we don't know about, right. that we don't celebrate. No, you're right, though. And we got to continue right. to put them everywhere at our HBCUs in front of our houses. Yeah, I know. conversation but, about how we try to, or at least how people are trying to memorialize George Floyd as if, like, and that, like I said, like, of course, right. this was such a tragic death, and this was, like, such a travesty, but it's, like, people are trying to right. use him as, like, kind of this, like, martyr when that's right. actually not what it was. It was literally right. a murder, and right. now y'all are trying to use mm-hmm. him as yeah. your, you know, the same way that they try to use, like, they try to use uh, MLK as, like, mm-hmm. the one who saved everyone, all the right. black people, when, like, why aren't we talking about Malcolm X and all the work he did as well? Like, I feel like we love to jump around what looks, like, palatable in terms right. of, like, you know something we can say as a person who is worthy of honor and respect who had to make a huge sacrifice and i think that just goes to show just just it's a it's a lot of layers i'm, I'm not gonna go too much that's a whole nother conversation but yeah right right we're on there, you know <laughs> but you know but, on the other side of the on the other side of the uh of the coin in regards to memorializing um people and trying to you know give honor to them uh dc delegate eleanor norton introduced the Georgetown Waterfront Enslaved Voyages Memorial Act on June 17th. Mm -hmm. uh, And she did this to establish basically a memorial site for enslaved persons who may have arrived at the Georgetown Waterfront. So I'll just, uh, yeah. And so I'll just quickly say what she uh, quoted, which was Juneteenth celebrates the culmination of the long struggle for freedom from bondage in the United States. This monumental event prompts us to reflect on the past and look to the future. This bill provides for the creation of a powerful marker of truth-telling and remembrance. Let us honor the personhood of these individuals who were repeatedly assumed to have none, so they will never be forgotten. Mm. I, that's powerful. And um, yeah. I think that's super powerful. Yeah, shout out to shout out to Ms. Norton. You know, she, she's accomplished a lot. She's a former lawyer and actually one of the first female, the first female to chair the Equal Opportunity and Equal Employment Opportunity Commission in 1977 and she also won the Coretta Scott King Legacy Award so she's really about this energy and again like you mentioned Isabella it's important for us to commemorate all the lives that have been lost the people that have created the foundation for this country and so many people that we don't know of right there's so many faces so many names that they came here they lost their culture they lost their sense of identity and they had to reclaim them reclaim themselves in a world that was unjust that was unfair that put them in a position where they couldn't you know connect and resonate with who they were originally with their families their history so i think it's incredibly powerful and it's incredibly important that we continue to have these conversations and have you know people in these positions our policymakers, really push forward a lot of these policies so that these things happen and we never forget we always celebrate and we move forward right i love it 
And, you know, honestly, with there's been so much. We had a hard year, right? I think we are actually, this is like our one-year anniversary to a certain extent of being on this podcast. And we've oh seen it. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yes. I love y'all. It is. <laughs> Yeah. And one of one of the topics that we discussed, I remember, like in the beginning was about uh, the Affordable Care Act. And I mean, we've we've recently learned that the Supreme Court upheld the Affordable Care Act. So a little segue off of the 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 blackness that comes with Juneteenth. But (laughs) what what does this mean for health care? in the United States, like, is right. it, is it possible to establish universal health care here after all? Like, what does this look like? You know, from my perspective, uh, shout out to Supreme court. They upheld this seven to two. Um, and, and the thing is, you know, 31 million Americans have health coverage um, and they've constantly fought and tried to repeal this act one time in 2012, one time in 2015. So when we talk about healthcare, half of the uh, half of the federal expenditure is on healthcare expenses. Mm-hmm. And wow. we have an infrastructure that is not necessarily suited to the needs of the body of people. And I think we got to start with what universality is a common issue. Like everyone should have access to healthcare. Now, how do we provide that healthcare? I think some of the things that we got to ask is, what are what are the issues that people need? Right. We talk about preventive diseases, chronic heart conditions, diabetes, obesity, like all these issues. We got to target that initially, too, because I think oftentimes a lot of people see the other side of the spectrum rather than seeing, yo, we got to be in these communities. We got to tell people exercise, eat well, take out, you know, we got to take out these food deserts, take out McDonald's like policy got to be implemented so that. We don't necessarily have to rely on a healthcare infrastructure or system that is not meant for us. It's meant for the people that got the bread, that got the jobs. You know what I mean? Right. And I'm reading this book called The Price We Pay um, by Dr. Makari. And he talks about the fact that we are over inundated. Every time someone got a heart attack, we got to do an exercise stress test or we got to do a cabbage or we got to put an endovascular stent for somebody that just got a stroke or we got to do an enterectomy for somebody in their carotids. You know what I'm saying? When it's too much blockage. But why do we have to get all the way there where we spending 10, 15, $20,000 when we could spend 10, $15 with a gym membership or we could spend mm. time sitting down with our patients, educating them instead of allowing the healthcare system to control the physicians. We control the healthcare system in that we give quality of care. We give quality of service and reassure, reassure our patients instead of letting the insurance companies take over what we deem is valuable. You know what I mean? So I think for us and all the listeners and all the fam that's out here, like make sure, you know, you about the advocacy, advocacy life. We can't settle. We can't accept what these insurance people is doing. Like we got to go out here and advocate for our patients and advocate for what's right. And that's how I feel about, you know, overall uh, the healthcare system. ACA is cool, but we need to do more in terms of preventative measures and not having to rely so much on a system that's not necessarily successful as it needs to be. I dig it. That yeah. was great. And that's on period. But what do you guys think about the possibility of actually establishing universal health care in terms of like what Canada's already done? And, you know, right. and I think the I, I'm, does the UK have that too? Possibly, yeah. but I know. Yeah. So we don't have that. Do you guys think there's any possibility we could do that? I think you have the manpower and brain power to get it done. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of, you know, the Senate and the House. Is that something that they really want? Because I feel like it would benefit everybody. And there are times, I'd say 80% of the time, where I feel like they just want 
people out here dying. Right. <laughs> like healthcare isn't really. They want us sick. I'm telling yeah. you. <laughs> They've, no, that, no they really want us sick though. Look what's mm-hmm. in our food. Look what's yeah. in, look at the air we breathe. Look at every, like, look at hey. literally our environment. They don't want us to be alive. And especially yeah. black people, especially, but you know what? Sorry, sis, go ahead. But I had to give no, that little, okay. I, I, everything it's you facts. said, I feel. And honestly, to just answer the question, yes, I believe it is possible. However, do I feel like the powers that be would work to instill, um, or institute a universal healthcare system, I wouldn't see it happening until you have some of us in policy. Real right. talk. It would take, Again, it, it would take I'm doing while. Yeah, I'm doing a rotation in policy in January with my school. And I'm really about that because again, if we're not at the table, if we're not at the forefront saying these are the issues that we're dealing with, then nobody's gonna think about it. And I and I'm and I talk to my preceptor about this all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like my I'm doing an outpatient I am. Um, you know, a clinic type joint. And we talk about the fact that a lot of these policymakers are not clinicians, so they don't see the right. effects of what the healthcare system does when you have a patient coming in and she has bilateral knee pain and she right. got to go and pay $2,000 for MRI to see if she got ligamentous damage. You know what I'm saying? She shouldn't have to do that and she don't got insurance. So how do you, and in order to, you know, get the knee replacement, you need to get the MRI, you know what I'm saying? And she needed mm-hmm. you know, knee replacement. So just seeing all of these different challenges that people got to navigate on a day-to-day basis because these insurance companies, they really want to capitalize and they want the money for themselves. So honestly, I think personally, is it possible to establish universal health care? Uh, somewhat. But I think there's a lot of barriers that, to that because there's a lot of people making money. These CEOs, these insurance companies, these hospital corporations, it's, it's going against, it's counterintuitive to the money that they want to accomplish and they want to gain and the revenue that they bring in. So. Right. And you know, awesome. it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a work in progress. And I know right. we started off with the Juneteenth and, and we, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the affordable care act. We're going to swing it right back to the blackness. All right. Cause there has Yeesh. been a lot of black people out here, um, especially black women, uh, thank yes. God who have when- just been out here Yes, whoever's been Great doing women. their thing, like doing their thing and doing it unapologetically and showing what really can happen when there are people, like we just said, at the table, showing what they can do and making more spaces and pulling up more and actually making more chairs available for other people who mm-hmm. can who's going to come after them. And so, I mean, I'll just go through some people, but we have have Notori Notten Day that just um, was recently established in New York City on June 18th and this was uh, something that was uh, done to recognize uh, Notori for all of her philanthropic work that she's done in the midst of the pandemic, especially her efforts to feed over 10,000 families in the New York and New Jersey area throughout the past year through a charity, the Notori Dreamers Foundation. So, you know, shout out to Notori Notten. That's really big. I mean, okay, I just, I love I love seeing outreach. Right. I love it. I like it does something to my heart, but continue because there's so much more. (laughs) I know there's yeah. No, girl, I I completely feel that. But yeah, there's a couple more. We got every she's been viral. She's been on Twitter. She's been on Instagram. She's been on who knows, maybe even Facebook. Uh, Shikari Richardson, (laughs) this track star, 21 years old, who is literally now regarded as the fastest woman in america i remember when it was usain bolt that's all we spoke about and he's great too you know jamaican black dude but to see shikari richardson a name that we know that usually if they see that name they're throwing that out in the trash for job applications or you know they're already thinking so many like negative things when they just see a name like that and now here she is the fastest woman in america like what so she won the 
<laughs> she won the women's 100 meter race in 10.65 seconds at the U- United States Olympic track and field trials and qualified for the Olympics in the past weekend. One Oof, week after losing her biological mother on top of that. So she's Listen. out here dealing with real life issues and still creating feats like it, it's, it's crazy. There is nothing that a black woman cannot get done when she's determined. OK, like to 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 have a loss and still be able to compete and right. you know albeit her mind state whatever we don't know you know how she was feeling mentally she blocked that out possibly right. and she still oh, came please. out ahead and y'all better take your name your uh, your mouths off of her because right. let, let her be out here expressive with her nails and with her hair because not for nothing flojo was out here winning back in the day okay right. everybody's right. idol Myself. so right. i need everybody to to be quiet like especially us because i've seen some posts I've from the black community right um take your take your mouth off of her let baby girl do what she's doing if you don't have nothing nice to say don't say it at all we don't need that in this season all right they can't do it that's why they can't do it always right they always want it whenever someone's out here winning there has to be somebody with a big mouth trying to talk down on the person (laughs) and make them look but you don't realize that her win is all of our wins so that's the crazy part like you don't see the bigger picture so we just ignore it we keep we, we keep it moving we 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 digress and we progress okay just like what my sis erica said on the last episode (laughs) she's a runner she's a track star you know (laughs) shout out to shikari richardson baby i'll race you for your heart you know what i'm saying (laughs) i'll probably lose but i'm just saying like you know what i mean anytime you're ready i'm ready you know what i mean i don't know what 100 meter time is but actually shout out to her but she actually pulled out of the 200 meter race for the olympics as well um oh wow yeah, I mean, Shorty could definitely do the 200 meter. Like, she's Usain Bolt did 100 and 200. But um, it's just interesting to see. She's really, like, keyed in on the 100 meter race. And another thing is, like, her, her grandmother who pulled up on, on her Olympic trial, like, her first flight was apparently two weeks before. So I love the support. I love that, you know, her family's pulling up and encouraging her and, and the entourage of people that's coming out. Also, on the other hand, not being negative, but rather positive and all the, you know, media outlets like showing her mad love. And I think that's yeah. necessary. You know, black women rock, black girls love. Like, we love y'all. We appreciate y'all, Erica, Isabella, Skenda. I love y'all, yeah. son. So we, we gotta continue to manifest this magic. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know what? You know what's crazy? Cause we bring up how magical and amazing, you know, we can be in, in anything, athletics, in medicine and politics, whatever have you. But, and we talked about this on the last episode, but it was pertaining to black men in sports and their mental health. Now mm-hmm. consider the fact that this young woman, Shakari Richardson just lost her mother. Right. And you know, right. with social media, you see people talk and throw shade and what have you. These athletes actually win and they go through their own private struggles. For example, right. Simone Man- uh, Manuel, she's 24, mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. qualified to head to the Tokyo Olympics after competing in the women's 50 meter freestyle final. But this young lady has battled with depression and was yep. diagnosed with overtraining syndrome, a.k.a. burnout yep. after difficulties in practice 
and simply feeling tired as she dealt with the exhausting effects of her mental ailments. And these sure. are the things that the right. public do not does not take into consideration. Like we out Definitely. here slinging, slinging mud on people and you right. never know it's that one post. Literally, it takes one second. That's I know it's right. not mental health month, but, you know, I feel like it, if we were in a better a, if we could just support each other better, right. how much more effective could we be as people in any girl, in any field mental health is year you know you said you know it's on mental health month but it's a year-long thing right it's hello it's a forever and, thing and mm-hmm. it's yeah and so we, whenever we talk about who we are when we even when we, even when we just talk about our physical health right our mental health is right there with on the same plane and we always have to discuss 100%. it and i think that, absolutely you know simone manuel is a great example of that like yeah she's out here creating like doing great things that like making records but she's also a human being who has to deal with this other big thing that could mm-hmm. possibly affect her performance and just affect her life period so no that was a great point to make and you know um there's other athletes as well that we were mm-hmm. already familiar with who are also doing great things simone biles this girl she just does not she doesn't let up right i mean when she am i not go. gonna see her name <laughs> like when am i not gonna see her name and olympics next to each other like so once again she's Anonymous. a five-time olympic medalist she qualified for tokyo 2021 so we're gonna catch her out here again for another year and uh chloe bailey um she's not an athlete but she might as well because she's been out here just doing the the athletic music okay like i i've been watching Mm -hmm. her she is like (laughs) i got multiple bays (laughs) no let me stop because we got we're gonna talk about something with black men later on (laughs) before i perpetuate the wrong things <laughs> hashtag nick cannon we coming to that though but anyway oh, shoot. Listen, that's Chloe, she's been doing she's been doing the thing and she you know we know uh it's chloe Halley, right that's like a group thing but hallie has been uh doing filming for the little mermaid uh, movie that she's going to be starring right. in so chloe has had a lot of time to be basically by herself kind of working on her own craft and her own career and so she just recently performed uh nina simone's feeling good during the abc's juneteenth special so that was a really uh cool thing to witness um it was really good too yeah i loved it really good she, and she's also been like, you know, making her own music and like putting yeah. it or not even like doing a lot of covers, actually, like on her Instagram and posting that and and slaying those covers as well. So she's been doing a lot. But I don't know what it is about Chloe that like people just always want to come at her because, you know, apparently that performance she did for the Juneteenth special got some critiques because of that. Um, but listen, the funny thing is that the granddaughter of Nina Simone approved of it and even tweeted saying, Everyone's coming at Chloe Bailey for a performance of my grandmother, Nina Simone's song, Feeling Good. But what y'all don't understand is that grandma was a free-spirited woman herself. She would have loved that performance as much as I do. Relax. Chloe killed it. So once again, people just talking out sideways and they don't even know what's really going on. But what, yep. what do you guys think about, well, you know, all us, all us said it earlier, you know, you, you hate on what you can't do. Like you see right. something, right. you don't, you either don't understand it or you can't figure it out for yourself so like what's the next best thing to do if you aren't a healed whole person you hate so i think she's generating a lot of hate because she's doing what a lot of people just don't have the audacity to do you know she's a child star um she in her role on what is it um What's that With show? Beyonce? No, uh, the her. ish, the the oh, Grownish, yeah. yeah. You know, like her role in Grownish isn't isn't what she portrays in her 
uh, entertainment life as an artist. Right. And I just, I feel like, you know, let baby girl breathe. She got right. this. Like, let her, let her exist in however many spheres, in however many ways she wants to exist. And until you get your body right, like, shut up. Cause that's what I'm saying. Cause it's cause you good. guys just, right. It's cause y'all out here with these stick bodies. That's why you want to say something. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm yeah. just, <laughs> just you can't yeah i mean <laughs> i don't understand how they they said it's over sexual like i watched it i'm like yo she's being very modest like she's not twerking she's just right. enjoying being in her natural element it was uh, burlesque. and then her dress wasn't even over sexualized either it's pretty modest to me in my opinion and i feel like this is one of them situations shout out to batman the, the batman movie you like you either die hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain, you know? Mm-hmm. So everyone wants into a villain when what you're doing is trying to perpetuate good energy and positivity. And I think it's just unfortunate that we are slandering our black woman. This is just another case and scenario that people just can't naturally be themselves. You can't see the good things that she does, but you rather, you know what I'm saying, antagonize her, make her feel uncomfortable, make her, you know, question her confidence about what she's doing. I'm glad that the grandmother, uh, grandkids of Nina Simone came up and spoke out because they, they didn't necessarily have to do that. But yeah. we are celebrating our culture is another thing. Nina Simone has died. Uh, she died, I believe, in the early 2000s. So we're celebrating our culture, someone that's accomplished so much. And the fact of the matter is that they don't want us to do that, right? The overarching theme of them is that we don't do that, but we rather right. do the opposite. We stereotype, we antagonize, we, you know what I'm saying, criticize, we condescend. We don't got to do that no more, you know what I'm saying? So shout out to, you know, Chloe Bailey doing her thing. Like, I'm really proud of her. And it's, it's more about the Black culture and Black success more than anything for me. So Listen, she went on, big girl. It, it was and good it, enough to be aired on Good Morning America the next morning. So, right, exactly. And it's funny. Anybody else? Y'all kick rocks. Her. It's funny that people want to come at her, but no one wants to talk about the real elephant in the room, <laughs> which is someone who's out here procreating like he's Abraham <laughs> from the Bible. Father uh, Abraham, <laughs> I've had any sons. And unfortunately, it's not, it is, I'm not talking about Abraham. I'm talking about a black figure that many of us admire, that many of us have grown up, you know, feeding into his content from Wild and Out to his stint with Mariah Carey to his all time that, at that the Mecca. Well, don't cross the thing, Christina Millan. <laughs> okay. And it's Nick Cannon. I, you know, he is like, I don't know what happened where it's almost like he's reached a point now that he actually was able to create t- children from two different mothers within the same year. How does that even how does that work? And he even said <laughs> he, he said in an interview that he doesn't want to settle down and wants to produce many kids. Yep. So, listen, I, I don't know what happened. It, I, maybe it's the Hotep, th- you know, movement that comes here and there where people you know there's I think a lot of people like kind of believe that yeah like their mission here is just to create uh, a legacy or whatever it doesn't matter how that's done doesn't matter whether or not you actually love the person or you want like you know I think that this is just one of those situations or one of those um, topics that you're going to hear so many different sides of it but the reality is, is that they're assuming that because Nick Cannon is successful has money that all his kids are going to be good because so it doesn't matter whether or not he does it in a way that makes sense which is have kids with the person that you love and that you want to be there to 
be a father figure to, right? Because just because you can take care of them financially doesn't mean that you can be present in their lives in that right. same regard. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? Because it's really crazy to me. I mean, three children in six months. Boy, boy, you fertile, boy. You got to get that vasectomy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But his exact quote was, I might die sooner than most people. So let's F all night. Uh, so anyway, in regards to that, um, you know, I, I read a little bit more about that. And he feels like he doesn't necessarily want to be entitled to being with one woman because it does makes him feel depressed. And he does. He just wants to live his life in many ways. Um, I don't think necessarily that it is uh, health healthy for the children involved, because now you're segmenting all your kids. Right. And who's right. to say one particular woman that he's dealing with or has a child with wants her other children, you know, what I'm saying to wants her children to interact with the other women's children. You know what I'm saying? So that can cause a little shift in conflict in terms of having a kind of, you know, a whole scheme in like kind of family infrastructure. So I think it takes away a lot from that. And also when you speak about money, right? Money doesn't solve any issues. It actually can promote issues. I, I remember last week we had a patient who, you know, he has Lyme disease and been like really like into this Lyme disease wave. His parents are like multimillionaires. This guy got into a whole, you know, car wreck three months ago. And he's like, yeah, my dad's going to buy me a new Jeep Wrangler 2022. It's about $40,000. So I'll, be all right you know what i mean and he has a lot of psych issues you know what i'm saying like literally he has everything he needs he lives in a mansion nine bedroom house and all of that so when you talk about the money issues that does not necessarily equate to a better life and especially right. when you add the fact that somebody has multiple women involved multiple children with different women that's not necessarily going to you know buy well for the children but i will say at the same time that he got the bread. I mean, he, I, I got to say, I wouldn't do the same things he's doing, but he is at every maternity shoot. He is involved in regards to the public eye. I don't know what goes behind the scenes, but we do got to you know, share the fact that it does seem like he does spend time with his kids and he's not one. He's not aloof. Like he's not having kids out here and then just dropping them off saying, hey, here's a check. Here's a bag. You take care of the kids and I just move on with my life. You know what I mean? Right. So, and, you know, listen, you know, that's cute. That's nice. But when these kids, when they start getting Mm -hmm. older, when one kid is like in college, the other kid is in middle school, the other kid is in high school, they all have different needs. Are are you going to be at all all of them at the same time, too? Like, I just think that we need to be realistic here. Yeah, you could do a little maternity. How long is a maternity shoot? That can't be less than an hour, more than an hour (laughs) tops. Right. For you to be able to travel and go and be present at every single kid's life event, now you're Listen, doing too much. Now yeah, you're doing yourself. I'm a, so, and this might be like the most controversial thing, but I'm okay said. with it. Well, it won't be the most controversial, but as a woman of childbearing age, I wonder where these women's heads are at when considering <laughs> procreating with them. Did you get genetic testing done, daughter? Right. Because does he not have lupus god forbid listen this is what i'm on and i think most women over 30 at this point are considering these types of things when it comes to procreating with a man right like do i do i have an hla gene that could potentially match up with yours and now we have all of these children that could potentially have lupus and who's taking care of these children and not for nothing but nick cannon has seen some bad days with his lupus i've when i was watching um him on that show um uh gosh i forget the name of it where they bring up a bunch of acts and 
like somebody wins a million dollars. Like there were days where he just looked ill and it's just, it makes you wonder, like, are y'all thinking in this vein or are y'all just thinking about the money? Because to take care of a sick child at the end of the day, that's, that's a lot. No, for real. Like I sis, I, you know what? That's, I love that you brought that up. I love that you brought that up. Cause we don't even think, we don't even think about that. Like Honey, how genetically compatible are we? Like what? Maybe, listen. And some of these women that he'd be having kids with, they are definitely of higher gestational age, which means higher risk. That's what for, I'm saying. Right. You know? Geriatric wow. pregnancy as a dark Lord says, you know? Wow. So you, you gotta know, be I careful. That term. But I mean, Girl, you just, stirred that pot. You stirred it. I love it. Because I don't know that people think like that. I really right. don't. I mean, in medicine, I feel like women, we do need to consider certain things. This is an aside because, you know, we may not be procreating in our early 20s. Some people right. not even in their early 30s. So, like, right. you know, the, how 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 good is the big bag? Right. I don't know. Yeah. You know, that's my and- two <laughs> but, but speaking of bags, what about a uh, you know segue into the next topic? Jeff Bezos, who got crazy bag, my <laughs> man's almost worth two hundred billy right now. Heard you. I mean, like mad people signed a petition to prevent him from coming back to Earth because we know people have tripled <laughs> what does their that even wealth. Mean, like. No, for real, like, because we part of corporation, Amazon. I talked to my preceptor about that during now. Like, Amazon has killed Payless, killed Toys R Us, killed Tears, killed Macy's almost. Like, there's virtually, like, a lot of these smaller companies. They want this man to become an alien. They want him to become... They like, don't come back to Earth. 122,000 people signed them signatures, you know what I'm saying? And he's leaving on July 20th is his first space flight. And I believe he's going with his brother. As well, he's gonna, live, he's gonna live on Mars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nah, nah, he's not. It's just a regular flight to space, not oh, just like okay. to go into the stratosphere kind of thing. Because he's actually trying to promote his plans of space flight. Him along with know, Elon Musk. But you said just, but they just said that they want him to not come back to Earth. <laughs> so yeah, listen, he going to live. He coming back. Uh, you know, he got enough money to come back. Nobody's stopping that man from doing whatever he wants to do. You know that was a yeah, black person do. that started that petition. Though. Let, <laughs> let's let's send that man to space and let him stay right there. Keep watching Facts. us from the stratosphere, sir. That is hilarious. Facts. How y'all feel about that though? How y'all feel about these corporations, man, taking over, taking advantage of the people where we have a wealth gap where the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. You know, significantly speaking, uh, a lot of people that I know personally, they didn't do so well during the pandemic. But you got these people, billionaires, making more and more billions, and they're keeping it to themselves. They're not really doing much with it. You know, they you know, like, selfishly I, I doing what they do. It's, 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 it's definitely sad. And it's it's like, but like, like, let's just really call a spade a spade right now. Amazon right now is what fits our generation, right? Which is no one wants to go outside and, and buy anything. We want everything in one place. We want, you know, it, it's mm. like, it's because that where the like where Amazon falls in the market is just so like fitting to the kind of people who consume it. It's why it's become what it is. And it's why he keeps getting richer and richer. And no one's checking him for it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I right. think, you know, the only solution at this point, yeah, we can sit here and say, oh, he needs to do this. He needs to do that. He's but we know he's greedy. We know he's not that kind of person. We know he doesn't care. We, we he's <laughs> right. shown it. And we can't force him to donate when he doesn't want to donate or give when he doesn't want to give. Like we can talk 
until we're blue in the face. But if he's not that person, he's not. So I think what we need to do, what's or what's more tangible, is to be able to have other companies beat him at his own game and try and see where they can also be accessible in the market. And so that way the wealth can be more equally distributed. And we know that we can be tapping into um, other companies who maybe have a better understanding of knowing how to give wealth versus just hoarding it and letting poor people remain poor and rich people to keep getting richer. So I think it's more so trying to put people on game who have hearts that care (laughs) and Mm. who know about the inequity and then yeah. therefore allow them to be in the same, be in a similar space where they can also compete with his, his game. Cause he's not Amazon. I don't see it falling anytime soon. And it's really what's going to allow it to not be as hot is for other, you know, companies or brands to put themselves in a similar market. Yeah. I agree with all of that. I think, and you know, what's even crazier. I mean, obviously billionaires have increased their wealth during the pandemic. We are still, very much so in a pandemic and South America is actually the new COVID hotspot. Um, I believe it's Peru and Brazil that have one of the highest death rates right now. South America has 5% of the world population. Um, So that's kind of a big deal. And I believe it's right now 25% of COVID deaths. And this this new Delta variant is really what we could what we should be considering when it comes to vaccination. The people out here still, I'm not getting vaccinated. Well, guess what? That Delta variant right. is coming because it has completely and totally taken over and wrecked shop in places like, well, the ones I just mentioned, and even in India. Right. That Delta variant is getting more uh, uh, sky miles than Delta Airlines. Now, not to even make Bro. fun of the situation, but like it's crazy how things have just spread. And luckily in America, we're in a good right. position. Like, you know, what I'm saying things are opening up, but a lot of people are becoming homeless. A lot of people are seeing their family members die. Um, I was reading an article in India. You know, a lot of people are, you know, going in, into the Ganges River and dropping their bodies off. And, you know, what I'm saying like now it's getting overcrowded. Right. And the spaces where they actually burning the bodies, they're getting overcrowded, too. So a lot of people don't know what to do with the bodies. They just building and piling on piling, like just how it was in New York City. And in then in the, during the epidemic, like during the center of the epidemic, like last year, this time last year. So mm-hmm. people are adapting differently, especially in developing countries. And, you know, of course, you know, I would hope that they get support. But um, it just shows how blessed we are in the position that we have in terms of vaccination rates. You know, you talk about yeah. South America, a lot of these countries, they have less than 5% of their population fully vaccinated, where we're almost turning toward 50%. You know That's I mean? crazy. So we, you know, come to the realization, like, you know, we got to be careful just just because right now we're in a good position. That doesn't mean that it won't trend towards something worse. Right. So we got to continue right. to protect ourselves and be aware and acknowledge what's going on in the world and how that can necessarily impact what's going on here. Yeah. I mean, and when it comes to the vaccinations, because we know that that's like the first step, right? It's been the first step to everything when it's come to just us getting back to a more normal society. Mm-hmm. And now we're talking about this Delta variant. But how effective do you guys think these vaccines are against you know that delta variant because i've been hearing a little bit of you know things from the grapevine with some things that's been coming out with sit remember we thought johnson and johnson was the problem but then pfizer had their own little what is it heart issues in young males you know we've been hearing some 
things about people who even say that they've been getting autoimmune disease development from the vaccines mm-hmm. and all of these myocarditis and yeah. teens as well. Uh, you like, know, they had that stretch where there were um, women from the ages of 15 to 45 that were developing actual clots yeah, from DVDs. one of the vaccines. Yeah, DVTs yeah. and whatnot. So it's, I don't know, it's it's scary, you know, and in and, and regards to that, you know, we talk about recently, you know, how do we trust the FDA when you talk about these vaccines? Recently, uh, uh, they came out with a new drug called uh, Aducan. Kinomab, which is a monoclonal a- antibodies, is high yield. Make sure you guys know your monoclones, a whole bunch of them, Eric. Right here, Matt. Right that you got to know for your step one and your step two. Okay. Okay. You know what I mean? But it's crazy. Several physicians have actually um, <laughs> resigned from the panel of FDA uh, individual, uh, FDA committees that are um, promoting this drug. Actually, the price tag is right now fifty six thousand dollars. You know what I'm saying for that and is drug. This, is this and drugs for to treat? Um, this is for Alzheimer's. It's for Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's disease. Mm-hmm. And there's three point one million people who are candidates for the drug. So the total cost, and we're talking about Medicare, right? Medicare is for individuals over the age of sixty five. The total cost for uh, Medicare or private insurer would be one hundred and seventy four billion dollars per year, and an additional ninety three billion dollars would be needed in healthcare costs. To cover just the infusion as well. So obviously, you know, this is a potentially money grabbing uh, move, but you see as well the side effects, right? It could cause encephalopathy and encephalitis. It could cause brain bleeds. It can cause brain inflammation. It could cause delirium. All these side effects and oftentimes these new drugs that are oftentimes not tested enough. They just put it out there just because they can, right? And the, obviously the FDA is a four body body, but what are your guys' thoughts on you know, like what's going on like with Physicians resigning from committees and the FDA putting out these vaccines and expediting things like what, what do you feel the future is in regards to this? I think, honestly, the resignation just kind of it makes me feel good to a certain extent because it's like, OK, so doctors are do have a do have some humanity, I'll say, because, mm-hmm. you know, when you're in the field how however you're in the field, whether you're a nurse, a pharmacist, a physician, a PCA, a LPN, you know, whatever, you start to question when you see certain things occur. Um, and it just it makes me feel like, okay, so there are really some good people out here that are practicing medicine for the right reason. But right. then it's like, well, well, damn, what y'all got going on there? <laughs> like <Yeah>. saying <laughs> what what's what exactly is occurring that's making this happen? And I mean, it, it further uh, perpetuates you know, the feeling of mistrust to a certain extent. Like, remember when the vaccine came out, Clubhouse was popping. There was a bunch of people in these rooms talking about, oh, it took two, it was too short of a time and blah, 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 blah. And I mean, I feel them, but now it's like, yo, I really feel them when, you know, when you start to see people from the inside, not, not messing with what's going on on the inside. it, It just, it makes you question. And then, I feel like it's cyclical. Like, when is it going to end? Right. Mm. And, you know, it, it's um, <laughs> FDA, it, all these uh, fears that's been occurring right now in our society, of course, with the vaccines and just like, who can we trust? And, you know, who, who are the ones who are creating these, I guess, protocols as to how to move forward? We still have, you know, other societies as well that are just decades behind when it comes to 
making decisions about people Mm -hmm. and, you know, how to protect people. So South Korea and this little homophobic law they got going on, um, I'll just give a rundown. Basically, South Korea says that consensual sex between two individuals of the same sex is considered sexual assault and is criminal activity with six months of jail time. So, yeah, I'm I'm not. What do you guys think? Because I don't know what to say. It completely (laughs) undermines social justice and public health interests point blank period like what aside from that like who are you to tell in 2021 that's what y'all are worried about south korea right. y'all don't have nothing else going on south korea right I, like really have were y'all not in the news for some crazy stuff last year south right. korea like pre-pandemic come on there's so many right. other issues that i feel like these politicians and government government officials and the powers that be are just like they're trying to control too much and it's like okay what are we on the brink of like what are are y'all afraid of people being aware of what y'all got going on on the inside now sound like a conspiracy theorist but it just (laughs) makes you wonder like what because that's so minute in 2021 right. if, if we were in like 1920 1947 maybe i could see them still being asinine with these types of decisions however like today right come on you know yeah, this has, what's, sorry go ahead Alden. yeah no i was gonna say this has been a long-standing topic for a couple of years in 2017 uh there was an article created in south korea to indiscriminately monitor and punish gay men in the military and more than 20 of them was actually charged and there were cases of gay soldiers being sent <coughs> to excuse me psychiatric wards and in december 2020 a soldier entered a t- another soldier's tent over the course of two nights and they engaged in um, some oral activity and they called that molestation so the thing was according to their lawyer that the act was consensual but yet they interpreted this as still being molestation and although homosexuality is not illegal in south korea even the president and you this is another important topic to understand leadership dictates policy that's enacted right the president mm-hmm. president moon jae-in a former human rights lawyer the irony right uh said prior to becoming president that he was against homosexuality and did not like it so make it make sense you know what i mean like people should have the opportunity to live and choose how they want to sexually engage with other people and i think it's a travesty to kind of restrict people in this you know again like erica said this is a social and human rights issue that we need to talk about and we need to continue to discuss because these are the type of issues that promote you know like uh, you know mental health issues they promote you know uh, uh, underserved opportunities for these individuals and how they can move throughout their society they have to hide themselves they can't really be who they want to be in a society right. that punishes and condemns condemns them so the expectations for them and their livelihood is really diminished because of that and it's very unfortunate that's why i'm glad again that we're here in america and we don't necessarily have to face a lot of those you know criticisms you can live how you want you can say what you want you could be the person you want you could wear whatever color you want you could dress how you want without someone necessarily directly judging you to the extent of putting you into prison right that's facts right and South Korea, you know, what South Korea should have been doing was trying to uplift and find ways to support, you know, the LGBT community in general, because we know that the LGBT community is a worldwide thing, just like black people are worldwide mm-hmm. and, you know, Hispanic and la- like these are all like we are all, we can be anywhere and everywhere. And these issues affect us all on a global spectrum. Right. And so we have to, you know, talk about uh, 
something that has been historically known to be a, a issue sometimes within not even necessarily issue, but kind of like, uh, I guess, a presence within the LGBT community, which is the risk of contracting HIV, which isn't, of course, just with the LGBT community. It's with, you know, people who use IV drugs. It's with people mm-hmm. who have unprotected sex. This you can contract this in many ways. But of course, like I said, historically, it has also been known to show up first within gay men. And so, of course, we have to talk about HIV awareness. And June 27th is actually National HIV Testing. And the impact of HIV on the Black community has definitely been a topic that we don't really talk about all the time. And there's it's funny because there's a lot of public figures who have been affected by HIV who are Black. We have Easy e to Magic Johnson. It's a real thing. And we have to definitely, you know, give um, we have to give credit and, of course, give uh, awareness to national uh, HIV testing and kind of just the importance of safe, safe sex habits and, you know, getting tested because I don't know how often we all think about, oh, when did I get tested or when should I get tested? That's and, a fact. You know, just yeah. just putting that out there because that's something that's so important. And a lot of us just aren't aware of the importance of that. But what do you guys think overall? You know, you would con- you would think in and I always say it or lately I've been saying it a lot, like in 2021, because I feel like we should be so far, uh, so, so much further ahead or so much more advanced in so many things like our thinking, how we view certain stigmas that have been present in the past, et cetera. But like, how do we my, my big thing is how do we reduce the stigma behind sexually transmitted disease such that people are okay with getting tested as opposed to, you know, Oh God, I got to go to the clinic. Like I don't want nobody to see me like, no, like this is a part of public health, like your actual health. You know um, I don't know if schools it, you know, I wouldn't say elementary, but maybe at the high school level in these health education classes would do, could do a better job at making it a point to say, you know, this isn't something that you should be afraid of doing or you should only do when you're afraid that you've contracted something, you know, it's almost like making it more palatable in a sense Um, because it's crazy to have this stigma still Mm -hmm. and for certain stigmas to just be affiliated with the LGBT community because Isabella, you named two straight black men when, you know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't even like Mm. you mentioned anybody that was, you know, in the eighties or late seventies. Yeah. So it goes to show like, this is not just a homosexual disease or STDs in general are, they don't pertain to just that, that community, the LGBT community. So those are my thoughts on it. Yeah. I think we got to dismantle the taboo. Even today we had a patient come in, um, you know, he had herpes simplex virus type two, on his genitals and he was like ashamed about it and it was like i don't want you to tell nobody which of course with hipaa and, and things of that nature but bringing it back to hiv uh, especially in the black community again we we have to be able to make people feel comfortable make it an understanding and acknowledge that it's okay to talk about to discuss it to understand what are the implications of hiv and not feel ashamed but i do understand on the other notion you know people feeling that way because our society deems it as demon right you're promiscuous mm-hmm. you're a terrible person you're not a productive member of society because you have this diagnosis but right. we have to oftentimes understand that is other issues that are underlying what's going on in our communities and we have to be able to sit down and and, and connect to that and even for myself like prior to rotations 2 months ago you know i went and got my tb test tb blood screening in new york city 
in the public health department, they actually allow you to get a free HIV test. So mm-hmm. with that being said, and, you know, I was talking to the, um, the MA at the time and she said, yeah, most people, they decline to get the HIV test for one reason or another. And I just felt that was just so interesting that people don't wow. even want to like, you know, know their status in itself. Right. right. Like being able to say, Hey, like I'm HIV Crazy. negative, like it's cool. It's, and even if you're HIV positive, you know, that's understandable too. You're still a human being, but know your status, be proactive, protect yourself, engage in safe, uh, you know, sexual practices. And even if that doesn't happen for you, you still have a story. You're still a person uh, of society, of humanity, and you should be cherished and loved like no other. And I brought this up in one of our past episodes where we had a patient who had HIV and he was ashamed to say that on my surgery rotation. And it was like, bro, I love you, man. Like, I don't know you, but I know that I'm going to sit here. I'm going to, we're going to work this thing together. We're going to talk to each other. I'm going to, I'm going to treat you like the black man, like a black brother, like you should be treated. And I'm going to not necessarily demean you or kind of send you whatever you did in your past. That doesn't matter. Right now, we're here to treat you, diagnose you, make sure you can get up and on your way and be the productive member of society that you want to be. So I think we got to celebrate and, 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 and you know, acknowledge the beauty and, and, and grace that these people deal with on a day-to-day basis. And shout out to the APA. I found out today that I got into the HIV psychiatry um, online rotation. So hey. that's pretty dope. So, you know what I'm saying? I'll be talking to you in the future about that. So so the irony of this coming through anyway. But, yeah. Thank you so much. Shout out to you. Eloquently by student Dr. Aldwin himself. We love it. (laughs) Looking. (laughs) Okay. We have gone through a very, very long list. And, but it's been, it's been, you know, it's a great summary of what is to come, what has happened, right? It's our blackness. We're trying to celebrate but at the same time. We're trying to hold on to our dignity at the same time. We're trying to figure out whether or not people are in the right headspace in terms of children and procreate, you know, it's, it was a lot, but I'm glad we got I mean. to <laughs> go through the list today. And, you know, thank you to our listeners for coming on once again and, and, you know, being here to keep, Hear us chat and and say our opinions and also possibly even real, actually our opinions and facts about what is going on in our society. But that was our show. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of The Lounge. You know what? Let us know your thoughts about the discussions we had today by emailing us. Email. Don't be lazy. Don't be scared. We don't bite. We love. We cherish. We accept. Podcast at snma.com. O-R-G. Be sure to follow the SNMA on all our social media platforms to stay up to date on upcoming events. And we would love for you to come join the podcast. We do have a few positions open on the production side, and we are always looking for new team slash family members. It gets real over here and we love on each other so hard. So real. Yeah. Yeah. Take care, y'all. Doses, one love, baby. We see y'all soon. Bye.